Recording in progress. All right. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. We're recording this one after the Leafs' 6-5 loss in shootouts to the St. Louis Blues. Recording this one with Jason today. How's it going? Living. Living the dream. Three games this past week. A loss to the Coyotes at Mullet Arena. The first ever game for the Leafs at the Mullet Arena. Uh, a win over the Avalanche on New Year's Eve. And then, obviously, tonight's game. Um, I wanted to get into tonight's game a little bit. Just, like, the vibes, the ebbs and flows of it. Um, I mean, I think the obvious one that a lot of people are going to talk about is the goaltending. They gave up five goals on, what was the total, 30 shots? Maybe not uh, even. It's 32. 32 shots. So yeah. 27 sh- saves on 32 shots. The first goal was kind of ugly. There was one in there where he made a, like, it was just kind of the, <laughs> the story of the night for Samsonov. He made a massive save off a, a quick play that came out in front. And then on the rebound, he tried to extend and cover the rebound up. He missed it. He got swimming and they were able to pot it in. It, it, it was a rough one. And it's funny because it started off really well for him as well. Like he, he made a, a trio, right? Like a bang, bang, bang trio of saves in the first period and then just gave up that stinker. And it was, it all fell apart from there. Right. But yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, he also played well for us in overtime too. So I don't think it's fair to blame yeah. Samson off for that one. Like you said, like two, only two goals at five on five, two of them were on the power play. One of them on the power play was like a, I don't know how you expect him to save it after it's like a literally it was a pinball machine goal. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think the only one that I was not happy about, I feel like, and I'm also like generally overly critical on goalies than I think with the average person is, or at least I try to be, but, uh, not, mm-hmm. not actively try to be like, yeah, I tried to, um, be critical of them. Cause I think it's, yeah. Anyways, um, that first goal is just not, should have been saved. Other than that, I thought he played. Yeah. Well. So, yeah, there was the first goal. I don't know, a couple other ones in there where I was, I didn't love it. So that was the obvious one, just to get the obvious out of the way. Like it wasn't the greatest game from Samsonov. We've now seen a string of games in a row where it hasn't been that great. Um, We brought up, I I think it was Josh brought up last episode, how, well, are you worried how Matt Murray had that break? And then he had back-to-back 19 shot games and then he had a break and then they still put Samsonov in uh, back like two starts in a row. And well, we actually did see now Matt Murray, two starts in a row as well. But I mean, Matt Murray is playing better, but like it's not, both are not playing very well right now. Yeah. But yeah. They definitely, right. They've definitely both uh, fallen off from their mid season form. I don't even call it mid season form. Cause I guess we're kind of in the mid season form. Uh, right now early season four for them remember we said this it's 10 starts temper your expectations 100 and like not these guys both like they were rocking like 929 like 930 like you're not gonna do that all season like you're not Mm -hmm. like even vasilevsky doesn't do that every year even like samsonov's does sorry not samsonov i don't even think vasilevsky's ever done 939 before yeah and he's like consistently excellent goaltender yeah but but all the good goalies, like they from year to year, they're not going to rock nine thirties. Like no. Shosturkin, for example, is a nine seventeen this year. Like last year, he had a nine thirty seven, like or nine thirty five. It happens, right? So like these guys aren't. That's just that's just the ebbs and flows of being a goalie and like trying to evaluate goalies game by game. What makes it so tough is that like 
these stats are percentage based. So it, like when you have such a small sample, things look really good, but then they can quickly turn really bad. Yeah, exactly. So that, that was to get the obvious out of the way. Mm-hmm. I hope this doesn't happen, but the special teams overall was a problem for the Leafs tonight. When you look at it, like the five, the five forward power play, we've been very complimentary of it. Very complimentary, but it, it did give up a goal. That first power yeah. play wasn't very nice. They didn't generate any chances and it went back the other way for a chance. Um, they did score, which was nice. It was a very nice goal too, but to give up a goal and then give up two power play goals against and the total score on the, on the special teams game being what three to one, you're really putting yourself at a massive disadvantage when you're being outscored, like not only losing the special teams game, but losing by multiple goals. Yeah. And we, we, yeah. And this was like a big strength of ours last year. Right. Remember when we had mm -hmm. McKayev, like it was like, we were able to score shorties and we would, we would always dominate the special teams battle because our power play one was so good. And two, like we had the PK that was just like on fire. I don't know how, like, we, and I feel like we maybe have lost that scoring upside a bit in the PK this year, but that's also kind of just variance. Right. So, but you're right. The power play was not that good. Didn't look too fluid. I thought that like when they set up, I liked, I liked the idea of having bunting in the, in that middle spot. Hmm. Cause it's a hard spot for them to get to. Uh, to get the puck to, and it kind of like, uh, it's like mm -hmm. our, like Bunting's the worst player on the ice there for the, the Leafs, and that's not a, like yeah. a, a diss to Bunting. Like he's surrounded by legit four superstars, so it, it makes the uh, the traditional way of defending a, a four, like defending a five on four, is like you want to collapse down in the middle and not let that pass through. It allows like the penalty killers to think that they should be stretched out a little bit more, and it, it actually mm -hmm. led to a goal tonight. Uh, Bunting scored off in, in that exact spot, but exactly. Um, it was some yeah. great puck movement there. Mm -hmm. And then right. it mm -hmm. I was just going to say, but you're right in the sense that it, it should have been better. Like we had plenty more opportunities going one, I think for four or one for three is not like, I guess one for three is okay. But uh, yeah, the, there was, the, it was the biggest problem was the first, the two power plays early were terrible. That's the bigger problem. Yes. Yes. And when we, t we talk about game inside the game a lot, they got that first power play. They gave up a goal. They got mm -hmm. another power play. They didn't like score. they didn't score. Yeah. And then I believe they gave up a power play and then St. Louis scored. And yeah. then I, they got another goal yeah. late to make it 2-1 to end the period. Yeah. But it's like you're really not helping yourself, especially like on home ice. You're not gaining any advantage. You're not doing yourself any favors when you're playing a team that's A, not playing very good hockey this year. B, their goaltending is really cold. And C, which I'm mentioning last, I don't know how, Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko were injured in this game. They didn't play. So that you're missing two of their superstar players. So yeah. to not be able to take advantage of that and to put yourself behind the eight ball like that early really, really stung them. But, I mean, you could see how well, like this is an offensive dynamo team. And uh, you saw how well they moved the puck. So yeah. I guess I, I asked it on Instagram. Just now, and I'll ask you: Would you keep the five forward power play together? Still, uh, you're asking me right now. Uh, yes. So before before I give my answer, how about everyone just go over to Instagram right now and you give your answer? If you're listening to this within, I guess it'll be up for 24 hours. So yeah. if you're listening to this on Wednesday, on Wednesday, go vote in the poll. But I would, I would, I I really okay. would. Uh, we talked about this like a little bit last week. My only hesitation for not keeping it is I don't want Michael Bunting 
uh, to in- inflate his point totals. We don't want a Nikita Zaitsev situation on our hands. And All it's right. it's like it's kind of like a you smile at it, but it's like it kind of does matter because like you y- you see like contracts are based on points, especially for mm-hmm. forwards. And I don't think. I I've never been in a GM room for a contract talk, but I don't think it's as nuanced as we think it is. I don't know if they consider five on five points and power play points. Like, it generally hits like the number hits exactly what like people kind of expect it. I mean, exactly. Evolving Wild did a great job pr- predicting contract values last year. Hmm. The one thing I will actually say and give you credit on right now, just thinking of it right now, Michael Bunting being on the power play versus Michael Bunting not being on the power play. That is like an asset. And that is like a chip to use because if a player is just never on the power play, how are you going to pay the money? Be like, Oh, they could be a good power play player. Exactly. Well, they could also not be, but if he's on that power play and I mean, tonight he scored a goal on the power on said power play. I don't know how many goal power play goals that gives them this year. I mean, now you're kind of saying, okay, knock it up a little, not like, raise that value a little bit because I can play on the power play. I can play that net front that John Tavares is a net front kind of position. Right. I really do like them and how interchangeable they are him and Tavares. They work very well with each other on the power play though. Um, I would keep it together. I think just like build more momentum behind it. We've seen a couple goals from it now. I don't know how many total actually, but not in Arizona. Like going from net front or no, um, the five forward power play. How many total goals does it have? Did it score any against the avalanche? Uh, we should have that information, but we don't, whatever. We'll, we'll come back to off. I'll find it later. That's fine. But I think we're both in agreement. Keep it together. Um, yeah. And uh, I was just going to say one more thing, like, like you touched on this a little bit earlier, how it could be used being on the power play could be used as a, uh, trade chip. Like, or sorry, not, not a trade chip, but like a negotiation chip. Mm-hmm. Not only is that a negotiation chip for him to be like to go to the lease with, that's a negotiation chip for his agent to go to everyone else in the league to say, hey, you need a little boost on your power play one. Michael Bunting put up a couple good points when playing on the lease power play one for mm-hmm. the limited time that he did. Like maybe he's your guy. He looked good on the power play with them, right? Now we open up the door uh, to that conversation. And just looking back right now, Michael Bunting has four power play points. Scored on Saturday. Scored on Saturday and against I, the Avs. I don't know if this counts today's game, so he might have five power play points. Two okay. power play. Well, goals, he's got three. two in two games right now. Okay, so, so yeah. yeah. One other note about this game: um, the shootout. So, a Samsonov was looked just looked terrible in the shootout. It looked like he was swimming. Some pretty good shootout players, I would say, over there. The this, the Blues do have some skilled players, but it looked like he was on. Just like he was on a treadmill while in those uh, those attempts, we'll call them um, thoughts on Rasmus Sandin going in in the shootout. Here's the thing. Uh, Keith, I was listening to the postgame reports. Uh, oh, good. Postgame interview from Sheldon Keith. Basically, what he said is that he feels like, well, first of all, we haven't had a lot of shootouts in the past uh, three years. I think that we've had five games go to shootout in the past three years, including mm-hmm. tonight. Uh, we had four, I think, last year and one the year before in the shortened season. Um, so once Rasmus Sandin's tenure as a as a Maple Leaf, uh, we haven't really seen many uh, games with him in, uh, and there'd be a shootout, and there just hasn't mm-hmm. been a shootout in general. Um, but I don't think it's that big of a deal because what Sheldon Keith mainly said was that he felt like there's a hole in the shootout lineup, which hasn't really been seen 
this year because we haven't had Jason Spezza, right? Last year we had Spezza. He shot. I'm pretty sure since Spezza has been with the team, he shot every single time in the shootout. Um, oh, very and, good. Yeah, of course. He's a stud. So he he's like, essentially saying that John Tavares isn't that good in the shootout? Well, J- John Tavares has only, I looked back, he only has one shootout attempt with us and he missed. So uh, I don't think. Yeah, uh, I think coaches base this a lot of what they see in practices. 100%. Like, trying try, kind of try to tell the players like, Hey, like actually try, like this is going to matter. And I mean, we've seen Rasmus Sandy score in the blue and white game. I'm trying to go back and find, there was another goal well, he scored against Jack Campbell in a practice that I have the video of that was disgusting as well. There was one going around on Twitter. Was that the one you're and talking that, no, about? No, it's a different one. Wow. Okay. So, cause, cause it's funny. Cause when, when we both said sand and we were texting in the chat during the shootout, when we both said sand and we're like, I we're like, he shot before, right? We're like, yeah, he shot before. And cause it's like, we, we've obviously seen these practice clips and we've told ourselves, mm-hmm. yeah, he's probably good in the shootout. And then he just never, never has. So we've never um, seen an attempt. His attempt tonight. I don't, I mean, I thought it was thought a good was attempt. Right. I thought it was a good, listen, you, you got made, in a little close. I'll will say that. Of course. But you made the goalie go one way. You got him to bite. He came across. He almost well, beat him. What, what more can you do? Right? Like score. I, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, <laughs> William Nylander also didn't score, but. Hey, yeah, we're not criticizing him, right? So, and I'm not saying that I'm not right. saying that you're criticizing Sandin, but um, yeah, I I, I see people oh, criticizing the decision, it. and it's like, who else would you go with, right? Like, I guess the only other guy that is like off the top of your head is Michael Bunting and John Tavares. It was Kristen Shilton. If you Twitter search Kristen Shilton's like history and search Rasmus Sandin, you'll find another nasty one. Oh my okay. god, this is, I'm well, we'll looking at it right now. We'll have that up on Twitter tomorrow. So just go to the Rink Rat Report Twitter account and you'll, you'll be able to see that. Um, yeah, but I, I again, going with the, that decision, I don't think it was that bad. It just sucks we lost that game because that goal from Marner and that goal from Matthews in the shootout were literally both so disgusting. It's like we should have just yes. won on that, on nastiness alone. Just pure right. stank factor. We should have won on that alone. But uh, yeah, are you were you okay with the decision or like... Like, I, I think so. I mean, like just watching it right here, I'll try to like shittily put it up for you. He's got great hands. I mean, if, he consi- if you're consistently scoring in shootouts in the practice, I mean, why wouldn't the coach put you in, in the game? I mean, I know he's a defenseman. I know we left John Tavares on the bench, but like maybe John Tavares just never scores in the shootout in practice. Like, yeah, that's a good real. point. Also, John Tavares can't score in the games. It seems like, yeah. So and he had a couple. He had a couple of good shots this game. I'll give him that. Like, it's the ebbs and flows. We we've seen it with Tavares every year. He ends up with high twenties, thirty-ish goals, whatever, outside of that forty-seven goal year. But you're gonna run those cold streaks because uh, it happens, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, it'll it'll come. I don't think he's been that that bad, really. Yeah, um, and, and also. Again, these guys would know better. Like the coach will know better than anyone who's the best shootout shootout shooter on the team. Because mm-hmm. you, again, like you said, they do it all. Like I'm sure they don't do it all the time in practice, but when they do do it in practice, like some guys have moves and some guys don't. Like, mm-hmm. and Sandin's just a guy who just has a couple moves in his repertoire. It seems like didn't work tonight, but I hope they don't go away from it. Because from what I've seen in practice, he's looked good. So exactly, and it's not, and it's not like we have another pure breakaway specialist like on the team other than the top. Three of those top three guys, like your angle shot before he missed. Um, 
I had a Your list. Has no hands. I don't want to see. Oh him. no, I I know. I'm just talking about. We've last We've seen year. Alex Kerfoot enough, and he scored last year. But we've seen Alex Kerfoot, Kerfoot, Kerfoot enough year, yeah. on breakaways and shootouts that I don't want him in there. Exactly, and then um, and then the list starts to get thin. Hey, you Kelly know, Arncroft probably Kelly would have Arncroft, been maybe, but David Cons a little looking like he has the offensive oh, flair. Recently. Only in the beginning of overtimes. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, but uh, yeah, to close it off with the other two games, I mean. The Arizona game was really weird. It started off with a weird goal against for the Leafs where Hole tripped Giordano. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Leafs ended up going up two goals. They were out shooting the Coyotes 13 to two. You'd think like, you know, you would have got something going and like pick up some momentum and win this one. But um, I don't know. They just felt completely flat. Uh, gave up a goal, gave up. And then um, I think they were up three, two in that one. And then just yeah, ended up they losing. Just, it seemed like they just lost. It's it felt like they just lost all steam in this one. They only gave up 21 shots in that game to Matt Murray. That is. And they lost six, three, like Murray didn't have to do much in that game. And unfortunately he didn't do much. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of shots total in this game either, but no, it was yeah. Low event game. Leafs won the, the battle. I, I think the mm-hmm. biggest, the big storyline coming out of that was the play that led to the go ahead goal for Arizona with Morgan Riley essentially sending him up and up the boards. Oh, yeah. And he closed it like not only was it bad that he gave, made a like many pinched that he did a giveaway there. It's that the way mm-hmm. he pinched is that he just gave, gave himself no momentum and just went ass to the boards of the blue line and it just opened up an easy two on one. I saw someone criticizing like Lilligan's play on that on Twitter. Oh uh, no, no. Lilligan did not play that very well. Either. It's not like he didn't play well, but like how he played like, horribly. Of course, but to be fair to him, he was just coming off directly from the bench. So it's not like he was able to get position and see guys on he the did ice, have like, position. He just didn't take his stick and then just it, it went right through him. Like Lilligan also didn't play that very well, but Morgan Riley yeah. played that horrifically too. It was a turnover yes. at the blue line. And then unfortunately because Riley comes back, Sandin comes back that Connor Timmons is the casualty, yeah. although he played awesome against Arizona. He had two mm-hmm. fantastic two primary assists. Like yeah. when I was watching this guy's poise with the puck, it was in the AHL. I'm like, like, all right. Yeah, sure. Like it's pretty, it is good. It's solid. Like I would love it at the NHL level, but like, I don't think it's going to translate one-to-one mm-hmm. and it kind of has, well, it, and by watching him in the AHL, I mean, his conditioning stint that is, he's been awesome for the Leafs. The point total, like, is because he actually is. It's not like phantom secondaries. Um, it's so it's unfortunate to see that he is sitting, but it's one of those things. We we yeah. got too many good defensemen. Well, it we got too many. I, sorry, not good. Too many NHL caliber defensemen. We'll call absolutely. Them. I don't know. Yeah, too yeah. many defensemen and, on, under contract. Yeah, and and one thing I thought that was interesting about this game um, was the shift from. I know Sandin draw, drew back in. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is their preference, but shifting from putting putting Riley and Brody back together, I wonder if that's their long term preference. Because again, I mentioned it last week. I don't. I'm not a fan of it. I prefer them separate. So I wonder if we, maybe we can see like a Brody with like uh, Riley Lilligan stay together and see a Brody and Sandin line maybe in the future. Yeah. Um, you keep giving just... up five goals, you probably will. <laughs> so yeah. So um, that was just something that I noticed today. Um, but, yeah. yeah, and then I wonder what Keith's preference would be. Then would it be like if we're being honest, like he's 
Bra- if Riley Brody isn't working out to be what it's supposed to be, because the underlying numbers said tonight that it didn't really. No. Yeah. Um, let's get. I think it's going to end up being Riley Logren. You're going to have a whole shift up in the the lineup. I don't think anyone's. I don't think they're going Riley uh, Hole. Yeah. No, for sure. Right. Well, I mean, like the only reason why I bring that up is because Riley Logren's comfortable. We've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen it for multiple games. And again, like. Our, I don't remember. I feel like it was earlier on. Logan's taking a step up defensively, which has allowed that to happen. Exactly. And and I was, and they've been, they were been experimenting with Brody being away from Riley for a long time. And I think Mm -hmm. I I, will tie this. I'm going to tie this point back later on in the episode when we get into uh, like the championship team build. Um, But yeah, I guess I'll like save that point for later. Um, But yeah, I think, Uh, I think it's a good idea that maybe could work. Yeah. Uh, And then the last game, the Colorado game, I mean, they kind of just beat up on Colorado. Yeah. Like, um, and it was Nathan McKinnon's first game back. And it like, they got on, they got on the avalanche early, early lead to one after the first period. And then going into the third period with a five, two lead. I mean, and of course, Dennis Malgan did get an assist in assist, that one. Yeah. yeah. Like we all expected, <laughs> but uh. Josh Levo goal tonight as well. Josh Levo scored tonight as well. Just the streak just keeps continuing keep, and continuing. Keeps going. Oh keeps my going. God. Who plays, who's a former leaf on the crack and look that, I mean, I, we don't even have to look it up. They're going to score yeah. or get an assist or something. Anyways, um, in that game though, with against the avalanche, like Matt Murray didn't play well against the, 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 the coyotes, as I mentioned against the abs, he gave up a bit of a weak one to JT Comfer. If you remember that one. And then yeah. I, I really liked how Matt Murray settled in and he played solid in that third period. I know it was like kind of a junk, whatever third period he gave up zero. The abs threw it was only seven pucks, I guess, but there was a couple power play chances, I believe in the third period as well, or late in the second kind of thing. And he really did buckle in. I thought, and it, it, he looked a lot better. So it was encouraging. Hopefully he's able to make a little run out of that and, and build off of, that performance right yeah yeah but anyways uh so that was the leafs this week i i think it was pretty good i did want to touch on you brought up a chart that was yeah. very very cool we'll call it not interesting Twitter. not, not interesting. In, no. <laughs> <laughs> um and it was the leafs underlying week by week results in terms of like week by week results for games within each of the weeks, like the week of November 27th, December 5th, the week of November, December 14th, all, all of that is broken up by that. Um, and where the team ranks within each of the weeks and each of the metrics. Do you want to go through that a little bit? Yeah. Well, like I, I'm not going to like this chart is from Reddit. If you want to go look in the Leafs subreddit, um, uh, I forgot, forget the, uh, the lad's name, the user who did it, but yeah. I'm sure if you search it, uh, user fun dash suspect dash two one six seven. We have not looked into this guy's profile at all. So if you see something you don't like, don't blame us. We're not we're not endorsing this guy. We did we did for... not do the research, but we did. See, yeah, he did he did the research for us, which was very yeah, nice. He did, Basically... some, he did some cool Leafs research. I mean, I'm How'd not you... endorsing endorsing him for morality. I'm not saying he <laughs> should be the godfather of your child. I think he made a pretty cool chart. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Excel. chart, the chart that we're mentioning is uh, it's, it starts, I think when the Leafs were talking, I think Leafs nation was kind of in a little bit of a, a little bit of a weird spot because like 
some people were really happy because we were winning games. It was, it was uh, late November. And then the other people were kind of like, I think we were a little unhappy. It's like the way we're winning games is not consistent. We're losing the expected goal battles. We're getting outshot. Our, our, our uh, goalies have just been playing over their heads. And uh, you can see that reflected like they're across the board, the least on November 7th, 2022, they were around 19th in the league, Corsi four percentage, 50, 16th in the league, Fenwick four percentage. They were eighth in the league at expected goals for, so they weren't really converting, but they were only 18th in goals for, right? Mm-hmm. So they were among the, the bottom teams in these uh, more advanced metrics. Expected yeah. goals for, though, was, was pretty good. Um, and then you get come to now, um, and you see the journey that they've taken. Every week, they've gotten a little bit better, which is always good to see. It means they're, they're improving. Um, and yeah, so now they're 12th in Corsi 4 percentage. Eighth Fenwick Fenwick four fourth and expected goals for which is incredibly important mm-hmm. and they're eighth and goals for so we're seeing the improvements being made over time which is always um, nice to see um, yeah and so. to add on to that the Leafs were uh, before this like what before the chart starts kind of thing they were ten five and five or eleven five and five around there but. Like the the underlying numbers, as Jason said, weren't great. So when you have a team that's kind of being bailed out by hot goaltending or hot shooting, which it seems like the Leafs kind of were at for a good stretch of time, it felt great because they were winning games, but it didn't seem too, too sustainable. But what happened here was the, like the Leafs overall game got better when the goaltending got worse. So usually what happens when you you have that hot goaltending, when the goaltending cools, the winds start to cool as well. Here the Leafs didn't really, you know, it didn't cool because their play overall got a lot better. And and like it's really showing. I mean, since then the Leafs like this week like they're top 10 in like shoot a lot of shooting metrics expected goals fourth scoring chances fourth in the league out of 32 teams like it's it's looking really good yeah it's it's, it was a it's very encouraging to look at because although the goaltending has kind of run cool like the rest of the team is kind of making up for it yeah and 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 something i like to see here uh that might lead a little bit into this and and i'm gonna kind of transition this in a second but um I assume they're getting this from natural stature. High danger chances for have gone from 11th in the NHL to fourth. So they're getting a lot of high danger chances. They're improving upon that, which is nice to see. And that's um, this is something you also want to talk about. I'm going to segue into this if that's okay. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the third line, we've seen them, their production mm-hmm. over this time increase as well. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what helped us win some of these games over the past week where it feels like the goaltending hasn't played as well. And I think the third line doing so well is reflection of, a little bit of regression, right? Because like, like we said, even though this chart, we, we weren't doing that well, be, uh, winning the shot battle, the expected, expected goals battle was still doing okay. Um, and our actual goals were not there. So a little bit of shooting regression, but also just a little bit of us playing better. So um, I guess that is a terrible way of transitioning into like talking about the third line of Kerf, Camp, and Engvall. Seems like a lot of people like it. Um, and I think it's good. And, uh, but I just don't know if it's like what they're doing right now is obviously good. They're doing all the right things that lead mm-hmm. to goals, but they're more of a streaky, streaky producers that'll just find their way to get 15 goals in a season, right? Like they'll just find their way to get there. And I just, 
we've seen their molds in the playoffs. They're not true shooters to who are able to beat these like higher, uh, like these better goalies, I guess. Uh, and, and when you're t- facing a lot tougher competition, they're just not able to uh, do well against them. I'm curious to see how this line would do against like, I don't know, like the top 15 teams versus the bottom 15 teams, you know, like maybe there's a, that's where the discrepancy is coming from. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't, like this line has done better recently, but like, I still don't think this is like, it's a small sample size. Exactly. Right? Small it's sample six size games in a row of Pierre yeah. Engvall with a point. Right. Mm-hmm. It's out like Alex Kerfer, like David Kampf is, is playing phenomenal, phenomenal as well on that goal. It all starts off because David Kampf intercepts the puck at center ice. Like, I feel like David Kampf is doing a great job supporting them, like creating the plays, making them go the other way kind of thing. And then, just the way that they're like Kerfoot's using his speed really well to transport the puck. Engvall's using his size, finally standing in front of the net. I mean, tonight was a tip goal. Saturday's goal against Colorado was like a battle in front, spin around shot. Like if you can start to see more of these like skill tip plays, like tonight was kind of an accident, like how Joe Pavelski tips the puck. I'm not saying Pierre Engvall should be, has to be Joe Pavelski. I'm just saying, Make, it has to be less of an accident that you're, hmm. you know, tipping the puck and finishing these plays in front of the net for me to, you know, think that they're replicable. He also did get yeah. a good chance off the rush. So I, I'm really happy with how they're playing. However, you know, come the deadline, I'm not looking at the third line going, oh, we don't need depth scoring anymore because no. we have Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot who yeah, are consistently I- great scorers. No, and, was, and also that like, was sarcasm. That that line's good, but think about how much better our fourth line would be if you like put Angval and on. you have Angval yeah. on the fourth line. Yeah. Oh, that's it a cap efficiency. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's like oh, it's you good, got yeah. something there, right? Yeah, like so, it's tough. It's tough to remember that he carries that two and a half, two, two, two and a half, two point two five milk. That's that yeah, is rich. Wow. Geez, and like the nice. thing is also like think about what we said last year. Like, oh, the Leafs finally have better depth scoring. Finally, better depth five on five scoring. Like, what did Mikheyev do in the playoffs at five-on-five scoring? What did Engvall do at five-on-five scoring? Alex Kerfoot, I believe, had a nice shorthanded goal. But, again, what did what did he do? He turned over the puck and, uh, and caused one of the goals. He did have a secondary in that same game. But, like, just more and more of couldn't finish on a better goaltender. I mean, let's get real. You're not going to be playing Jordan Bennington in the first round of the playoffs. Right now, how it sits, I believe the Leafs would match up against Tampa Bay, unfortunately. Again, yay. So, yay. Right? As much, as much shooting talent as, as we want, right? Because, again, we talked about this stuff in the past. These guys aren't natu- like naturally good shooters, right? They, They're not. You can, they can easily run hot and cool. Yeah. And yeah, the way this team plays, it's like yeah. so many high school guys, you're bound to get a couple Even points. Even look, like against Montreal and Carey Price, like how many goals did Engvall put in? How many goals did... I know he's not on the team anymore, but Mikheyev, Kerfoot only had one, and I believe it was an empty netter. Yeah. If I'm he, not correct. Yeah. Like He had a lot of assists. People people forget that most yeah. of his goals were created a lot off of what Nillian Nylander was doing, unless so Kerfoot yeah. moving moving the puck. But anyway. Just getting Nylander the puck. He was so hot yeah. in those playoffs. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. been a... St- I, that's like, honestly, <laughs> side side note, it's like kind of the inflection point of how people felt about Nylander in Toronto. That, that series was an inflection point. Because like... Everyone, like majority yeah. of people were sour on him. And when I say majority of people, I mean like Twitter boomers. Like obviously if you're, if you watch him, you're like, wow, this guy's good. 
But yeah. he kind of won the crowd over with that one. And it seems like everyone yeah. loves Nylander now. And he's I been think everyone's, yeah. Everyone's at, at bare minimum, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're very good with him kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And then you'll get those people looking for attention where they're like, they clip like a play out of context and then say, like, I expect effort 100% of the time. Yeah. All right, pal. Whatever. But yeah, just uh, I think moving on from that chart, it was just like an interesting look at how the Leafs' underlying numbers weren't good, but they were still winning games. But now they are better and, you know, they're winning games, but they're not being bailed out by goaltending. They're winning games in a different sort of way. And they are suppressing shots at a, a pretty good rate, I would say. I, I would think. Yeah. I haven't done the research on what the exact where exactly they would rank in that, but I think they're doing a pretty good job suppressing shots. I would say, right? Yeah. Well, like, no, they have. They're they're one of the better teams in the NHL at it right now. If I can just pull up these uh, season long stats, but yeah, they they've been, and that's kind of been like the narrative of the year for them. And I and I hope that like, mm-hmm. in the dressing room, this is how they've been like feeling as a team mm-hmm. because it seems like the media is taking this narrative a bit, and yeah. it's true. I mean, we're seeing are. some good, good download plays from John Tavares and and Austin Matthews now. There was two fantastic plays that I remember exactly from this game where they came right down low, stopped a play and it went back the other way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, like, I think that's really helping that as well. And I, we've mentioned that before. Yeah. And uh, expected goals against per 60. If I can just pull this up in the NHL, they are do 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 terrible radio. They're fifth. So right. Smack dab tied with the Boston Bruins. That's always good to see an expected goals against per 60. Mm, awesome. So. Not a bad team, yeah. right? Yeah. <sighs> Ew. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they've, right. they're, they're in the upper echelon of shot suppression teams. The so, least a good defensive team. Don't mm-hmm. tell the haters that. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we got our first three games of Dryden hunt. Um, you have written here that there, he's been yeah. fun with Zach Aston Reese. I agree. I mean, it brings. Not, I'm not saying like, oh, you need Dryden Hunt and Zach Aston Reese in your playoff lineup, but I think that's someone that you can add in there here and there and that you need in the regular season just to bring that energy in the fourth line. Like a game like today, for example, like I don't, I'm not saying they did this in this game, but any sort of game where you start off a little bit flat and you're able to go out there on home ice and throw a couple big hits and get the crowd into the game. I think that really is helpful. They tried to do that last year with Simmons and Clifford. Unfortunately, it massively backfired against them in Clifford's five-minute penalty and then Simmons taking two horrendous penalties in like four minutes of ice time the next game. But I think Aston Reese and Dryden Hunter are a little more functional and provide a little bit more defensive value that Clifford and Simmons don't really give you. So that's why they're here. With just Simmons, it was like slight offensive upside. Clifford kind of brought even slight, like nothing to the table. I mean, I'm just trying to be generous to Simmons because I like the yeah. guy. But um, yeah, you're you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head with the functional depth there with Zach Aston, Reese, and Dryden Hunt. They, these guys are just better all around than those guys. Yeah. Like and Dryden Hunt can hit like yeah, he can throw can't. a punch a little bit. He, he can throw a fun, but he could also take a punch. He's, well, no, I'm sorry. Like I meant like he can he can make a thud when he hits ah, someone. He is a okay. terrible fighter. <laughs> he got his ass kicked by Jack McBain. His fighting L- is 
his form is so bad. It looks like he's trying to like we box the other person. It looks like, you know, the Simpsons with Bart Simpson, where he's like, <laughs> if I'm waving my arms and if you happen to get in my way, it's your fault. <laughs> That's what kind of he looks like. I wouldn't say he's a good fighter at all, but kudos to him. He's willing to fight. That's exactly that's it. You don't have to be a good fighter in the NHL. You just have to be willing, and then that's that's all you need. It's all. It's not like there's who you're going against. There's no judges. Okay, yeah. There's no judges. There's no scorecards. Like you're good. This is an MMA, right? Like the the purpose of a fight is to not win. It is. It's a different purpose, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Like, for example, like say that line again, and then watch the Michael Pizzetta Ryan Reeves fight from last year. Like, just (laughs) or uh, or like the who was the the little. Lazat versus Zach Aston Reese. Like you don't want to, if you're on, if you're on, if you're not on home ice and you fight and you get your ass kicked, like it's not a good look at all. So like, I, I hope Dryden Hunt's not, you know, circling Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota's already gone, but I hope he's not circling like a big tough guy and being like, yeah, I'm going to fight them on, on their home ice because yeah. he'll get his ass kicked. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm also only care about like when you run the goal. So I'm assuming, anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just give me a give me a guy willing to fight. I'll take that any day of the week over a guy who's not. Oh yeah, willing. And on top of that, like regardless of him being able to fight, there was a, he was he played well tonight, especially like just, so. just alone. Like he had a break. He had a good good jump up in the rush to to like create a break. He had a breakaway. He got slashed. Yeah, Craig Simpson I, was going nuts because on the for, on the Leafs' first goal, Kerfoot got hooked, and then yeah. the puck like puck was dropped puck goes back the other way and then dryden hunt got slashed and it's like two in a row so you know what we earned that michael bunting phantom high absolutely stick. absolutely i mean like that. all all you like at this point all you can get with the refs is just pu- the only thing that's consistent is inconsistency that's all you can get so <laughs> and just, then it all evens out yeah it all evens out because whatever anyways uh but yeah yes. break, he created the breakaway for himself that's huge that's important that's always good to see smart play he saw the defenseman pinch there jumped up in the rush when uh I think I don't know if it was Zach Aston Reese or Holmberg who passed it to him. But yeah, great play to do that. Also, like very aggressive on the four check. I like that he was like willing to engage in net front battles. That was good to see, like mm-hmm. getting getting a screen. I found this game alone just a little bit too much of a ten, like a slight too much tendency to do that. I think he had some opportunities to peel off uh, and like oh, give himself as a passing threat. So maybe a couple more weeks in the lease system. Well, that's like, why. Yeah, that, but... that's also why he's a fourth liner. <laughs> exactly. So like I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not expecting him to do great things, but it's just good to, he's a good energy guy to have in the yeah. bottom, bottom six. Simple exactly. And he's not useless. So. I don't know if I brought this up, but one thing with Zach Aston Reese is, or sorry, Zach Aston Reese drew a penalty today, but with Dryden Hunt, he also draws penalties at a higher rate than some of the, like a lot of the other Leafs depth players do. So mm-hmm. that's another positive from him. Yeah. That's, that's like a little, I feel like people don't talk about that enough. Like getting guys who can draw penalties is always massive. Yeah, throws hits, whatever. All right. I wanted to get into a little segment here. Uh, we, we did our trade de- early, way too early trade deadline segment um, yeah. a few episodes ago. And there's been a little bit of more buildup on the trade deadline front. In my opinion, it's been all speculation. Uh, everything I've heard has just been speculation. Like, oh, like, this could happen. I wonder if the Leafs look in at Timo Meyer. Like, all right, like you don't know anything, kind of thing. Like, you wonder, you wonder, you wonder. When you hear yeah. you wonder, it means they don't really have much to talk about, but they want yeah. to get their name out there, kind of thing. So, in terms of the Leafs, I did hear at one point Elliot Freeman, like he said, either oh maybe they do 
a few little moves here and there. And I also heard him say, oh, they're playing very well. Maybe they don't want to do much kind of thing. So I wanted to take a look at past championship teams. What does a championship team, what does a championship build look like? And I wanted to kind of discuss that. Now, Jason, you had an article that you wanted yeah. to discuss a little bit. Yeah. So I'm just referencing, this is going to be referencing Don Decision's article. He posted it in 2020, this, September 21st, 2020. So it was just right after the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning won the cup. And I thought he did, did something very cool, basically analyzed the roster of the last 10 cup winning teams from 2020 and previous years, uh, so 2010, 2020. And That's he's basically nasty. used his game score value added model to uh, assign, like, I guess, archetypes or like mm -hmm. rankings to uh, these different players in, in these teams lineups. And he's mm -hmm. basically kind of come up with a checklist that every single team that has won a cup, uh, has uh, like every uh, yeah the archetypes of players what they've that, gone through yeah exactly what 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 player type type of players um they've had so it's an interesting list and I think we can fill it out uh by I think maybe filling it out as we go or something like I don't know yeah how, how should we do this yeah you think we can that, like, like compare it to what the Leafs have we can compare it to the the cup winners since yeah twenty twenty or even the finalists like I you'd be surprised some of them well. I, I really don't want to talk about Montreal. So guess what? We don't have to. Yeah. But... Some of them can just luck their way to the finals. But anyways, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Happens. Uh, uh, yeah. But get, getting into the list, the biggest thing is like the first and foremost, the point that he has at the top list is an elite first line center. That's among the very best players in the world. Do we mm -hmm. have that? Hmm. Like, can't think of any player who plays. The, uh, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, we can. Heart Austin trophy Mountains. winner from last year. Next. Yeah. So wait, hold on. Before we go, let, let's just, I want to try to name all these first or should we just go through one by one? I mean, like, yeah, it's Austin Matthews. I don't know. Okay, yeah. Austin Matthews. And then right. like That's last year, last year, the Colorado Avalanche had Nathan McKinnon. The year before the Tampa Bay Lightning had Braden Point. Slash Kucherov. Like, he's not a center. A center. Sure. Sorry about that. <laughs> Braden Point. Braden Point. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the next line. That's why. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Braden Point, uh, Ryan O'Reilly for St. Louis. That was uh, eighteen nineteen, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then even looking at Crosby's, like Crosby, Sidney Crosby's another one. I did want to take a look at the Stars when they. I liked the build of the Stars a few years ago. I know that sounds kind of crazy. And I do want to be referencing them in this discussion. I know it sounds crazy now because it's like, oh, they didn't really do much after that. And I believe the next season they didn't even make the playoffs. But when you look at some of the guys on the team, like, okay, like uh, Hudobin went on an all-world run. Like, obviously, he wasn't able to replicate that. Um, what's this called? Uh, Jamie Ben kind of has the wheels fell off. They're, they regained them this year, but wheels kind of fell off. Radulov, same sort of thing happened there as mm -hmm. well. Tyler Sagan had surgery and missed the entire next year. And in those playoffs, shot 2.9%. Oh, my God. Um, they lost Corey Perry. And then, yeah, anyways. Yolkivy Ranta gave him five goals in 14 games. Okay, that was a crazy run. But that... Uh, in terms of elite center, did they have one? I mean, Joe Pavelski had 13 goals in 27 games from that year. That's not bad. Yeah. And looking back, like, I think the only one that made, like, only, only, the only one of those teams that maybe didn't have, like, a, 
all world beating like elite number one center was maybe like I guess mm, Capitals maybe like mm, if you look back Backstrom. at the last yeah Backstrom yeah I, I Backstrom's know, I, a very good center yeah yeah maybe I just forgot how good he was because that's off a so center long. I can't even remember Kuznetsov is a center but I don't know there if he's go. like uh, the he's best, very very like, very yeah. good. He's elite. So they got they got two very if you don't want to call backs from elite two very 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 good mm-hmm. centers I would yeah. call them right but but so. it seems like the teams that don't have the elite like world beater number one like player in the world type player caliber type player if they don't have yeah. that center it's usually that winger and that takes mm-hmm. us to the next point of uh, elite first line winger to support the elite center yeah and uh, Leafs have Leafs much have, more well. I guess he's not even on the center's line anymore, but yeah. they have Mitch Marner. He, he is there. He's an elite winger, I would say. Absolutely, um, yeah. The way Nick William Nylander's well over a point a game, I don't want to jump the gun and call him elite <laughs> yet because he's not over a point a game, but yeah, his five-on-five production, you'd be surprised, I think over the last three years or so, has really, it's up there. It's it's very much up there, so. Yeah, and, and very much with this team, like you're obviously, again, like the, like narrative has been beaten into the ground. This is obviously a top heavy team. Yeah. There's still a good overall team, but like yeah. most of the meat and potatoes is that top end of the roster. So if we look back and compare with these other teams that have won the cup, of course, like our top two, three, top four two guys lines. will likely be like stronger individual players than teams in previous past. But I think part of this discussion and why we're having is because like in the weeds of like the, the, the depth pieces is like we've said all year, this is the place to improve upon to mm-hmm. get our team to a championship roster level. Right. Cause I think exactly. as we go through these points, we start, and as we get lower down the list, we start to lose, we, we start to not have as many of those pieces mm-hmm. that we'd want to have, or that archetype of player that we would want to have. Right. So mm-hmm. like when you think of like past teams that have won the cup, like Nikita Kucherov uh, for the lightning, um, Obviously, for the Capitals, Alex Ovechkin, Alex right? Ovechkin. Like the Penguins, like Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel was fantastic for them oh, for their yeah. runs, right? Um, and uh, like Chicago Blackhawks, Patrick Kane, right? Boston Chicago, Bruins, mm-hmm. like uh, Marshawn was fantastic for them. Like it's it, all all of these guys have these elite wingers. So um, yeah, Mitch Marner is yeah. definitely one of them. And he's obviously like one of the best of them. And he's in peak form right now. So um, yeah. Elite, elite yeah. first line. The, winger, the stars team I was referencing doesn't really quite have. I mean, it, I, even the elite center, they don't really have that either. Um, I'll explain they, what they had. They had more so it was a lot of offense from the back end, and they had three really good defensemen. Two mm-hmm. defensemen that were, I mean, Heiskanen was 26 points in 27 games from the back end, and then Klingberg was 21 points in 26 games. Heiskanen was playing almost 26 minutes. Klingberg was 20, playing 23-20. And then they had Alexiak playing 21-38. Actually, yeah. you said off air, you were like, oh, I don't, I, they had him. I'm like, I don't think he was that good yet. No, he, he played pretty well. And then yeah. Essa Lindell was 24-44. He was also a very good defenseman. So solid D. I think it was more so very, like, goalie was playing way above his head. And the defense mm-hmm. was very good. And then the forwards would chip in goals and they had a, some good forward depth as well. Yeah. But I mean, they're going like, to stop ruining this segment by referencing a team that kind of got lucky to get the Stanley <laughs> Cup. Oh, yeah. no, it's because all, you it's do all, need luck. You do need luck. hundred percent. That's like the biggest factor is like, there's only, listen, there's only 30, there's 32 teams in the NHL. Only one team can win every year. Right. It's mm-hmm. not like, 
like you could you could be the sharks or you could be the like the pittsburgh penguins you never know right it's one or the other so um i mean the 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 caps experienced that experienced that for a while absolutely outplayed teams they outplayed the pens and that one of the pens cup runs and then they just couldn't couldn't solve uh matt murray or mark andre Fleury. and vegas might end up being one of those teams too now like who knows we'll see um but well, yeah, they made the cup final. They never won though. You're right. No. Yeah. That's what I mean. A team that like uh, uh, in the elk of Washington before they won San Jose haven't won like okay, I see teams that yeah. were dominating, but yeah, anyways, uh, the Makes next sense. point after the elite first line center, elite first line winger, obviously Austin Matthews, Mitch Barner. The other point is two other top line wingers on each of the top two lines. So this is interesting because we don't have this. It depends if you think it, it really depends what you think of Michael Bunting. Do you think Bunt- Michael Bunting is a top line winger? Maybe, but if you don't, then we don't have this. So mm. obviously William Nylander is. Yeah, he, um, he would fit in there. Yeah, and, and um, these are wingers, by the way, because I, I, I'm going to bring up the next point because people are probably going to be yelling, John Tavares, John Tavares. The next point is a top line center to play behind the elite center, Austin Matthews. Obviously yeah, John Tavares. So we have John, yeah, so yeah, John Tavares. Let's do that first. As long as he doesn't... Sh- like go Casper the ghost on us. Like he did last year for the mm-hmm. first three games. Like, yeah. Beautiful, solid, you know? So, um, so like John Tavares is in there, obviously in terms of building that championship team. That is an interesting point though. Two other top line wingers on each of the two top line. They have Nylander, two other top line wingers. The and only what other do guy, you like... think of Michael Bunting? Is yeah. he that? Well, the least we're kind of missing Michael Bunting last playoffs. He was playing on one leg. It seemed like, but then again, and to another point, it's probably going to come up in here. You need depth. Everyone also deals with injuries, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And it's an interesting. And then the so other wait. top line winger we have right now is Callie Yarncroft, which yeah. I think he's fine. But she's not falls, a top line winger. Falls more into a middle six, utility guy, middle six depth piece instead of a top line winger. Boy, do you think yeah. Michael Bunting is considered like a top top line winger? I guess like, I mean, oh, some great results, but is he a top line? What would you define as a top line winger? Like, let's let's take a look at this Tampa team. What did they have that was defined as a top line winger? I think it depends. Like, I think you could be a top line winger in many different ways. Like a strong two way winger, I think is a good mm-hmm. way to describe one, but you could also be like an offense, like a pure offensive powerhouse, like a la William Nylander, where you don't have to be the greatest defensively, but you're, you're, you're such a good scoring talent and you're able to create well that you can make up mm-hmm. for that, those deficiencies defensively, like by being so great offensively. Right. Yeah. So like, for example, Kalorn the year that they won the Stanley cup uh, in 2021. Um, he had 17 points in 19 games. They had Stamkos, I believe was playing on the wing. I can't remember exactly though. Um, like what would you consider Andre Pilat? I don't know. Like, Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like if, I guess if you compare Andre Pilat to Michael Bunting, that's a lot closer than in my head of like a top line what I would consider a top line winger. Um, but if we're going to like, since we are using Dom's essentially Dom's data to build, like he used his data to build this yeah. list. Yeah. If we're, if we're re- referencing his data, Michael Bunting is on, like, I, I don't know exactly what number is because it's not listed, but he's in his top mm-hmm. 100 players. So um, hmm. as a winger, I, I think like he's, he's the names that are surrounding him are Kyle Connor, uh, Brad Marchand, Evgeny Malkin. Um, 
Chris Kreider, Matthew Barzell, Jamie Ben, Tomas Tatar, uh, Barkov, Raquel. Like this is just for this year. Yeah. Alone, so. And when you think about it, there are 32 teams in the NHL, two lines. So there's 64 top two lines in the NHL. And there's two wingers on each top line, right? So that would mm-hmm. be, or there's four wingers on each, two wingers on each line, 64 total lines. So that would be 120 something. So the yeah. top 128 wingers, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we're around, around there. Correct. That oh math was God. terrible. I'm and sure. then when you look at the top upper echelon teams, like, I guess cut that in half. So like the top 64 wingers in the league, yeah. is Michael Bunting in there? I, I think you could, I honestly, I feel like you could creep his way in there. He could creep his way in. Just there, like so. guesstimating. I think so. Maybe. Yeah. Like if, if like in my head, uh, the number that I instantly thought of, if I were to put Ma- Michael Bunting on like a ri- list of top wingers in the NHL, he'd probably be in the forties, like forties to mid thirties. Maybe. Does that maybe. sound about right? For wingers? Like, yeah. For, wing, for, for both purely right, wingers. right wing, left wing. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, he had 63 could... points last year. I yeah. mean, it helps playing with Matthews Marner. He's on a hot streak right now. It's easier to say that now than it was at the beginning of the year when they were demoting him. Yeah. A lot of people mentioned that, like the ability to, like they mentioned in when talking about Michael Bunting, the ability to play with Marner's Matthews, and they say it as a negative thing. I don't see it as much as a negative thing. 63 points is still like a ton of points to put up and a lot uh, on like, at five on five, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Zach Hyman has ne- never got close to that with his highest point total with the least being 41. So, mm-hmm. uh, and even last year when he was playing with McDavid and dry he put up 54 points. So uh, it's not something to uh, sneeze to, at. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I don't you know, like you know what? put them in. It's a least yeah. podcast. We can be biased. Who cares? Exactly. Um, so then we mentioned top line center to play behind elite center. John Tavares check. Uh, two more top six forwards for depth in the middle six. So if we are, are looking at the Colorado avalanche in terms of that, they had Miko Rantanen. He played right wing and then center a little bit, which I'll get into in a second. Nathan McKinnon at center, Gabriel Landeskog at left wing. Great. Nachushkin is in their top six as well. Kadri is their center. Lekkanen. And then they had like JT Comfer, Burakovsky was in and out of the lineup with injury, but still eight points in 12 games. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Um, and then okay, I can't say Cogliano was a depth, good depth. I don't know. He was whatever. But the guys that I mentioned, there are all like borderline all-star. Well, no, not borderline. It's very good. We'll call them. Yeah. And even like looking at, again, other teams in the past, like, the Tampa Bay lightning. It's like those, those depth guys, when you get past the top, what is it? The top four, top three wingers, mm-hmm. right? Like after the top three wingers, they still had like quality pieces. Like if we, Coleman, if we look at Barkley, Goudreau, yeah, like Yanni Gord at center, that yeah. was a great line. The thing also, when you're looking at playoff scoring, it's, Lauren even, it comes yeah. down from what, from what regular season scoring is. So you have mm-hmm. to, you have to also kind of adjust for that. I don't know what the exact factor is, but I would like to, I'd like to look into that. I actually want to see that, but yeah, but like a lot, a lot, a lot with how the, mm-hmm. we're, we could arguably be missing a top line winger. We're kind of also, we're either missing that or missing a middle six, because I don't think, I don't know if we have the two more top six fours. I think we miss out on that. Actually. I wouldn't like who, who would yeah. you right now on the least, who would you consider those players to be? If you had to pick, Right to me, it's Kerfoot and Yarncrook. Right, unfortunately, like if yeah. like gun to your head, who, like 
of the rest of the roster. Who are the rest of the ones? Like, I, exactly. I kind of like Nick Robinson, but like, what am I saying here? Like, five points in yeah. 15 games, one, one point in 10 games. Like, yeah. Yeah. can you really be comfortable going into the playoffs with a guy with six career NHL points and be like, that's, that's kind of our depth, our key depth piece there? And it's not even like, oh, he's a great defensive player either. Like, mm-hmm. when you're looking, when you're looking at other players, like in terms of depth, like that, that stars team that I mentioned, they had a lot of depth, which was really good. Like Tampa Bay lightning, like Nick, what happened in game seven, Nick Paul, like that's another, that's a little like card up the sleeve. I suppose you could call key. Yeah. It's another one. uh, Maybe their seventh best forward that series too. Right. It's not yeah. even like, he, like, as a, as like, I get he's a center, so it's a little different, but like, if, if he played, he played the wing too. Like, it's kind of mm-hmm. weird because they've, they just interchange centers there. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I would say that, uh, like, Kerfoot isn't even as good as him. And, and on the championship mm-hmm. team, he wasn't even considered one of those depth middle six, no. top six guys to them. Right. So it's um, also interesting. This article was written in 2020 which you have to look at because after that became the emergence of shutdown lines, right? Mm. Yeah. So like you had that Tampa Bay lightning shutdown line that won two cups for them. And then the next year, I mean, Sorelli, Sorelli was a fantastic shutdown center is, or is a fantastic shutdown center. And then on top of that, you look at who, who killed the Leafs in 2021. Philip Deneau, he's another mm-hmm. great shutdown center there. Like, so like, I guess you could argue and say, oh, like, what if we have our shutdown line? I don't know. Is David Camp? I don't think David Camp, Pierre Engvall, Alex Kerfoot provides enough defensibility and defensibility ability to shut down the top guys. On top of that, I don't think they score as much as any of the players that I mentioned. I mean. Mm-hmm. Blake Coleman in offense in New Jersey had like 25 goals. Um, I don't know how many he has this year. I think he's doing all right this year. But anyways, with Tampa Bay, like he played his role exceptionally well. Yanni Gord had what 64 points one year. They were all guys that coming into playing that shutdown line with Tampa Bay had put up big numbers elsewhere. And then they just played that role to a T. Right. Yeah. So I mentioned at the beginning of the year, like, oh. You guys were saying, oh, we want that black hole. I don't care if they score as long as they're a zero out there kind of thing. Well, like if you your if your goal is zero and you come up short, you're in the negative. Yeah, that's true. You've scored again, been scored against more than you scored for. Yeah. Maybe your goal is one goal every two games. Like that's that's at least a positive, right? So you need those guys that are going to be able to give you that positive. Is yeah. Alex Kerfoot Pierre Engvall it? Based off the past two period playoff series I've seen, uh, I can't get out of my, like, I'm going to say no. <laughs> right? Like, this is more of a rhetorical question, not like a question that we can answer. It's like, are our top end guys good enough? Whereas, like, to out, outweigh how how not good our, our depth has been compared to past past playoff teams past uh, championship teams i think that's like a important question to consider oh okay so does so the top four that the leafs have invested god knows how much money into and even morgan riley i mean he's a top 10 offensive defenseman in the league we'll call him Mm -hmm. 
does that outweigh the lack of depth that the Leafs have? Um, I would kind of say no, simply because when you look at like a, another championship team, like the lightning, I mean, they had their Kucherov, they had their point. They had Stamkos who was exceptional up until the finals. He was terrible that year. Um, and then from the back end, they had Hedman, who I'd take Hedman over Morgan Riley. I'm sorry, <laughs> in yeah. almost every facet. Like, And then on top of that, they also did have scoring depth. So, And then also, when you look at previous Leafs problems, just to keep the all the thoughts are flooding right now, I'm on a roll here. When you look at the past Leafs problems, when Matthews Marner's dry, Marner dried up against Montreal, what happened? We were We were binged. You got you had nothing. I mean, you got yeah. a little bit like well, no, you, Morgan, you got- Morgan, Morgan Riley to his credit. We like this has been a bad week for Morgan Riley, and I'm I'm not the biggest Morgan Riley fan. I don't have a, a signed picture of him in my basement. It's <laughs> 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 a little inside joke there. But he has been pretty good in the past two playoffs. I don't know. Like it's a, yeah. a thing nope. that runs over under the radar there. Uh, absolutely, he has. That's that's a fair point. Um, but to say also yeah. When looking at a championship team, I've talked about the Lightning a lot. So now let's transition to the championship team that was the Colorado Avalanche. Like they had, like, were they taught they They had exceptional top end players, but then they also had the depth to support it too. Like, think about this like, Nazem Kadri went, was out for four games in the playoffs. And then came, when he came back, he had a broken thumb. He still scored, but he had a broken thumb, right? Yeah. What happened when Nazem Kadri went out? Where most teams would be screwed. What happened was Miko Rantanen stepped up and was able to play center. Yeah. Like that that is Having how that many teams is... how many teams like their their top line right winger is just able to go up, oh, yeah, I'm going to play second line center now and I'm going to do a great job of it. Yeah. No, not many. Not many. Not many. So to yeah. answer your question, like and again, you do need luck. You need like, but in terms of to get through four rounds, do the Leafs have enough top end talent to outscore their scoring depth issues right now? I I'd say no. Yeah. Unfortunately. Fair enough. Well, then then they the let's let's not bury the lead there. Those are two easy. Those are one or two easy slots that I think we could improve upon. I think if we could just add it like that one more middle six, I think that would. Mm-hmm. And Ellie Freeman has said depth. that the Leafs yeah. are looking at like middle of the, it's, instead of going a first Robertson knives for a top fish, like they're looking for, okay, maybe a second and Durgachinsev or a second, hopefully will probably cost more than Durgachinsev, but a second and a little bit and a prospect or a second and a third, whatever for a player, maybe two hmm. of those instead of having to, cause you don't want to give up your 2023 first. And apparently they're calling um, Matthew Nye's untouchable. So good. Good. Like, like I, I haven't seen a lot of him, but from what I've seen on Twitter of like little clips of his goals, yeah. like he should be untouchable. Like he looks, his fantastic. game is translatable. I'll say that about him. However, like, he is only like a point a game in college. So like it for him to come in right away, what impact would he make? I think he would be a welcomed addition to the Leafs, obviously, but like, I don't think he's going to come in and be your Alex Kalorn. Like temper your expectations a little bit. Of course, bit. for sure. Yeah, right. for sure. So, um, I mean, if you could even be spoken of as a top, like if he plays in the top six, that's like 
no, that is 12. that is good enough for me. Like I, yeah, well, yeah, obviously top twelve. It'd be a f- but... top twelve. It'd be a free deadline ed- edition, right? So yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Um, kind of like what Albert says he seemed like was gonna be, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> I, Anyways, yeah. so let's go down this list. Elite number one defenseman. I mean, listen, Oops. this this one can be debated, but let's for argument's sake, and let's just for this sake, I think we have like 80% of an elite number one defenseman. Is that fair to say in Morgan Riley? Is that fair to say? I think he's like, God uh, is good, but I think general consensus of him would be like a, not an elite, but I think he would be like, maybe, maybe ask people about that in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> holy smokes. Um, he's getting toasted right now. But again, like, I think, I think partially, like, I know this sounds, this may sound a little bananas, but I think the depth of our defense that has shown so far this season might be able to supplement that because it's not like they're getting shelled horribly when Riley's off the ice. They do better when okay. he's off the ice defensively, right? So but maybe, here's the thing. I'm going to list yeah. off some championship teams in the defense that they that their top three slash four defensemen. So last year, Kale McCarr, Devin Taves, Bowen Byram, Josh Manson. The Tampa Bay Lightning have Hedman, Cernak, um, Sergachev, Ryan McDonough played fantastic for them. And then I think number five last year, they had David Savard, or maybe that was the year before. Either way, can't remember. But, um, and then as I mentioned, the Dallas Stars, they had Essa Lindell, John Klingberg, Miro Heiskinen, uh, Jamie Alexiak, Penny Alexiak's brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> In terms of who was some other ones? I don't know. Like the Rangers, even they had they were they made it to the conference finals. They had Keandre Miller, they had Adam Fox, Jacob Troop was pretty good. So my thing here is you're saying, oh, they have good depth compared to some of these guys. Well, yeah, the Avalanche won a cup with Jack Johnson. And I think that says something. Mm-hmm. The bottom two guys, who cares? You're gonna be playing. You need to be like in, in all honesty. If you have four elite guys, it's way, way better than having six well-rounded guys. You're going to be playing those top four guys 25, 20 to, 23 to 25 minutes. So then it's it, because you're running like you're kind of running them into the ground. Like you're as opposed to you need a good top, a good top six is good to have an over an 82 game season. Sure. But you're not playing an 82 game season again. You're playing a 25 to 20, 20 to 25 game season. So, so philosophically, like team building wise, you would prefer to have like, you, you just don't really care too much for defense. Like not to, don't, sorry. No. You don't care too much for the bottom six, exactly. bottom, sorry, bottom. I don't care at all five, about six. the sixth defenseman. Yeah. It's the top four. Yeah. Sometimes even, you don't important. even need okay. a top four. You need a top three. That's a good point. And they just rotate. Yeah. Kind of thing. I mean, right. Yeah. Well, if we look at the other points that Dom has here to round out his list, mm-hmm. a second number one defenseman to play behind him, would you be like, let's say that Morgan Riley is, let's go with 75% of an elite defenseman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The supporting Fair. guy, TJ Brody. I like TJ Brody. I think, I think that works as like, in like, uh, in that role, honestly. Um, yeah. I like, I like TJ Brody. Sure. Does, that, does that make sense? Like, or where would TJ Brody rank? Because then, then, or would you consider him more of a top pairing defenseman to help anchor a strong second pair with the number two? 
Another top pairing defense caliber defender to crush soft mitts on the third pair. So I, I think there now I need to like, because it's, we're comparing, like, let's compare like Makar, obviously I think Makar, no matter what, like Makar is the best defenseman in the league right now. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of crazy here, but like, I, I think the, also the, the past, this past year, like that, the, the higher end of that, like the top three of that decor was just insane. Like, mm-hmm. Even the Blues, like the Blues had a solid decor when they won the cup. Like that decor. Oh, had... yeah. That one was very good. Let's pull like, up that one real quick. Yeah. It's, uh, well, they, they had, had Alex Petrangelo was their number one D man who yeah. was, he was fantastic. Um, I don't think Jay Bowmeister was, well, he, I don't think he was even that good at the time, but I'm just um, kind of in, filibustering because I don't have it in, up yet. In order of games played, it was, uh, yeah, Petrangelo played for them. Perrieco was good for them. Perrieco, yep. Uh, Bomeister did play for them, actually. Um, oh. Joel Edmondson, Vince Dunn played 20 games. Carl Gunnarsson. So this decor um, wasn't even that good? Yeah, no, it was just kind of more top-heavy. Um, when you they look, at it, look back at it. and Alex Petrangelo. Who was their minutes leaders here? It, it must have been. Bowmeister. Oh, Bowmeister, Bowmeister played yeah. very well. Okay, and then that was like Petrangelo Perry. No, but but here's the thing though. Like, like they had three about, defensemen, as I mentioned. Yeah, like Perrieco, Petrangelo, twenty five minutes. Bowmeister, twenty three minutes, and then you got to go further down. The next highest was Yoel sixteen thirty two. Edmonds. Yeah. So it furthers my point. Three defensemen. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Honestly, that's something that. But here's the thing: we don't have but, that, and like it's it's yeah. I, this is not something that's going to be possible for us to address. Mid season, and I, I'm curious to hear what other people have to Shit. say about this too. <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, obviously, yeah, we we're kind of coming up, huh. like we're we're filling this list out as we go. But like um, when you so. look at like Alex Petrangelo versus Morgan Riley is a little bit closer than what we were discussing before, right? Um, and then Colton Pareko versus uh, Giordano or Brody. Okay, then we're 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 cooking there a little bit. Yeah, and then Jay Bomeister versus I can't remember I. I can't remember how good was Jay Bolmeister that year. 35? I don't think he was that, that good. I think it was okay. Uh, right. Like, I mean, he must have been good enough to play those minutes. That's what I'm... 23-30, right? Yeah. <laughs> also, they like, Ryan O'Reilly does cover up. And then, but then you could say, okay, then do the Leafs, like, the Leafs have Austin Matthews who could cover up or John, like, right? So he's playing yeah. better defensively. And like, yeah. hmm. So this one's a little, you feel a little bit better looking at this decor as opposed to the the the, the avalanche and the lightning. So yeah. that's all right. I mean, and then if you go back further, we remember the Pittsburgh that one year where they didn't have, did they have a tang or they had like literally nobody um, like Ian Cole and Ron they Hainsey. Had, like, um, yeah, Ron Hainsey. Um, but like for this, this, uh, the capital. No, one team. of the one of the cup runs they didn't even have Latang. I don't think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the latter one, the one that, that was 2016 17. So let's take a well because they had they well, had I, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. Oh, the, yeah. okay. Here's the top ones. Oh my god, 21 59. Brian Dumoulin, who's who was pretty good that year. I'll mm-hmm. him, he was pretty good. Ron Hainsey at 35 years old was playing 2107. Oli Matta 2037. Justin Schultz at 1944 and then Trevor Daly at 1907, 1850, even Ian Cole. So like they did, 
kind of to what you were saying. Oh, the they, Leafs have a good top six, or actually, not even who was it? They didn't even play sixty. It seems like no, they did. Never mind. I listed all six of them off. So then it speaks more to your point. Oh, they have a, a well-rounded top six, but is this too far back? And did the goaltending cover up too much? Because their goaltending was Matt Murray, who we have. Oh, there we are. Nine thirty-seven, and then Mark Andre Fleury, nine twenty-four. Who split it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, feel a little bit better the further you go back. It's just then the issue is like you do, you are competing against the Avalanche again, and then yeah. the, the Lightning still have most of that decor together. So it's like, hmm. Well, well, well. This is a kind of a shot to the ego. I will say that. Yeah, it's definitely not. I don't know, but here's the thing: the trend right now is that moving towards stronger decors, which is interesting because stronger top three decors, top three decors. Is. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I don't know if this is a Mandela affecting myself, but I feel like when we talked about the blues winning the cup, there was a lot of talk about how deep and good their decor was. Maybe I'm wrong. I I, I remember that too, right? I have that same inclination (laughs) as well, but I mean mean, like Pareko and, but Pareko Petrangelo was very good. How good is Easter? I'm sure Dunn was also showing promise at the time too, right? He was playing 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's what you need though. Maybe you don't need guys who are like good. You just need guys to, uh, have the like have the ability to overperform where they currently are, and I think mm-hmm. I can take solace in that. And I think that our decor has like certain players where, like maybe if Timothy Lilligan steps up, like in the playoffs, I'm not saying that he has to. I'm just saying like if he does, like uh, maybe that's your top pairing defenseman to help you anchor that second pair, right? With TJ Brody, or sorry, with or with Morgan Riley, Anyone, or yeah. maybe inverse, it's like Rasmus Sandin's that guy with TJ Brody, right? So the issue, yeah. So I see what you're saying, but the issue, so the issue is the Leafs will never get to that elite number one defenseman, but can they just like have a very good top four? What do you think? I, I I think they could uh, make it up in the aggregate. You know, I I don't think Morgan Riley will ever be that number one that we need to be, but I think we can money ball the. I'm just thinking of the oh Jonah Hill and <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, um, you want to hear something really shitty? Okay, in terms of talking about defense, the the Bruins, who we haven't talked about yet, but our top team in the NHL right now, they have Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy, who are playing very well together. Mm-hmm. In terms of their third defenseman, I mean, it's Clifton who's playing 1845, Brandon Carlo, Derek Forbort. So. But in terms of they have two elite, they have two very, very good defensemen. One elite one. Mm-hmm. Or one yeah, elite. so. Sorry, I... one elite defenseman, one very, very good one who's playing very well. And then Carlos not bad. Yeah, defense. like, well, they, they have more defensive defensemen, not two ways. He's like yeah. kind of fills in that, uh, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That defensive role for them. I guess maybe a TJ, like different, completely different player to TJ Brody, but like pure on ice impact wise. I think he's relatively yeah. similar. Um, but they play different styles, which is always interesting to see, but yeah. Um, going. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, going back to the list, I don't know if we mentioned this top pairing caliber defenseman to crush soft minutes on the third pair, like easily, easily marked your dino on the so, third pair. Yeah. But as we said, I mean, it's kind of, 
That's uh, it's kind of phased out. And then top ten caliber goaltender, like we had those two weeks ago, but um, <laughs> not anymore. I don't, I don't know where they went. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think it's encouraging to see that they can run hot at least. Yeah, I, I think but I think that's more so. When what it, they yeah. run hot in the playoffs, will be something to see. Yeah, I, I think that's more so what it means when he, uh, he mentions the top ten cal- caliber starting goalie. It's not yeah. like, I mean, Jordan Bennington is not a top ten caliber goal- starting goalie right now, but he was at the time when they won, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what you need. You need a goalie who can just step like step up in yeah. in, that, in those situations. And he had a nine fourteen that that playoff run because he ran so cold in some games that he was garbage in a torpedo his save percentage but in the end what happened game seven he stood on his head he was awesome yeah and that made the difference right so there's that i think there was one other oh yeah and then the other team that goes against the notion of like a one hot amazing goaltender is the pittsburgh penguins in that second run because even the first one so the first one going into the playoffs i believe they started jeff satkoff in the first game and he got lit up then they went with murray all the way until flurry was ready and then they pulled murray put flurry in for one game put murray back in and then the second playoffs they had they were playing their backup mark andre flurry and then he ran all the way and then handed it off to matt murray and then the rest is history but i don't know yeah. when the next time we see that specific scenario is because yeah. those, that was and, kind of crazy and and with goalies i can't believe i didn't even mention this off the uh off the top, but Darcy Kemper was not like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. I mean, That's, hey, how be, did we not mention to, that one? To be he, fair, like he I was there. Like, he had one eye to be yeah, fair. That, he that, was a that's good what I was going to say. Yeah. He, but he, kinda, he, you are right. He played horrible. Yeah. He, he's, he Rocco was dealing with, with that injury. Guy. Yeah. So I didn't want to bag on him too hard for that, but um, I think he's playing okay this season. So yeah. like he is kind of rebounded, rebounded, but um yeah, that, that's a very good point. If we went the whole podcast not bringing that one up, oh my god, <laughs> we definitely get roasted. But yeah, that that's pretty much that rounds out the list. So like, if we look to like places to improve, it's honestly impossible for us to improve our decor. I think like I I don't even know like at the trade deadline, what, do you even think it'd be possible for us? No, I'm not saying it wouldn't be possible because there's no available players out there who could improve our decor. Obviously, there are better defensemen out there in the NHL than we currently have on our roster. I'm saying that more in the sense of the trade that you'd have to make to do that is just it feels impossible yeah is that fair to say yeah it's it's kind of tough to take a look right now also like there there's some teams that are just like kind of out of it but i i wonder if like some of these bubble playoff teams like is detroit gonna continue to push like maybe if they like i i don't think it'll be the leafs but like david perron like he has he could run a pretty penny for at the at the deadline because he has that extra year is he available i have no idea right and then like you have to look at other like defensemen then what who's available there i don't yeah, really like, know but i do see what you mean like i don't think a deal for a top defenseman is in the cards and if that's so like you have to improve if you are dealing for a defenseman you have to improve it has to be better than one of Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, um, Mark Giordano, Timothy Lilgren, Rasmus Sandin. Yeah, which is John Hall. It has to be better than one of those guys. And I would even like take out your whoever your bottom two out of that list is, 
it has to be a top four defenseman. You're not trading for a number five. Like, yeah. Because as I, as we mentioned, like you, you gotta run with your horses. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So this is kind of a sobering exercise. I'll say that <laughs> for sure. Yeah. We're not as good um, as we think we are, but we also, we kind of, we are comparing ourselves against the best, the best. and there like, is lit- time to improve. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not all doom and gloom, but yeah. Exactly. So if we're going to look, I think this exercise was good to see because again, like mm-hmm. we, it was good to narrow down what to like, who, what the archetype of player we should be looking for is. So, um, and I wonder if we should go more in depth on another episode of like coming up with different player archetypes, like a four checking winger, something along those lines. And we can maybe do, can we do on a that, part but, two. Yeah, we, yeah. Why not? Why not? But uh, it was yeah, fun to see. I, I want people to tweet at us and let, let us know what they think, because who's the archetype of missing the player that the Leafs are missing? Because exactly as we just out, like, I don't want to hear, Oh no, what do we have to improve on? No, we just outlined. You need to like, and why not improve on what you currently have? The Avalanche did it last year. The Avalanche were sitting pretty going into the playoff, uh, going into the trade deadline. Uh, didn't they come first by like a, a country mile last uh, year? Yes, 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 yes. So, and the, they still went out. They went out and they got Manson, who they traded Helson in a second for. They got Arturi Lekkonen, who they traded Justin Barron, who was a 2020 first round pick and they traded a second in, in that one as well. And then they got Cogliano too. Yep. Right. So they were, yep. They were able to fill out that, that depth. Exactly. Really exactly. well. And um, yeah. So I think fair to say from like, I don't, I, I'm going to speak for you right now. I hate speaking for you, but I'm going to speak for you right now, but uh, like fair to say, we probably need that top six slash middle six winger to potentially two one depth for sure. Definitely potentially two to help round out that team. Yeah. You think that's yeah. fair to say? Yeah, I think it's fair to say. Okay. I think that just about wraps up. We have to say on this, cause I'm going to yeah. use that to transition to some around the league stuff. Not really yeah. much happening around the league, but um, funnily enough, a certain potential top six forward, maybe middle six winger. Yes. was put on waivers today, actually. And uh, by the time oh. uh, this episode goes out, um, we'll see who, where he goes. So what happens if you're listening to this him? before two o'clock, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was Jakob Vrana. He's, if you look at goals per 60 in the NHL in the last like four seasons, he's like in the top, he's an exceptional goal scorer. He has run it. Like he was entered into the, I believe is the player substance abuse program, which it was great to see that, you know, working to get better kind of thing. He realized mm-hmm. he, he recognized he had an issue and now he's coming back from that. And he was on a conditioning stint with Detroit. I I have no inside information. It seems like nobody really does with why he was put on waivers, whether that's like an unspoken, I think Filipovich brought this up in PDO cast. Like, is it an unspoken thing around the league where it's like, Hey, like he's going through some tough times. We want to extend that conditioning stint. He's still trying to come back and get to NHL speed. Like, leave him be kind of thing for the betterment of the player or is it something else? I'm not sure. We will have to wait until 2 PM tomorrow. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know if this is. Hopefully I, I like first and foremost, obviously we want to say that hopefully the player, the person himself, Jakob Vrana 
is doing better and like doing well and is healthy. Yeah. Uh, that's 100%. the most important thing. Yeah. Yes. So he was able to get three games into the AHL last week um, mm-hmm. and they plan on continuing that uh, conditioning stint for him. But yeah, if mm-hmm. it's a, uh, if he, if he, if he is healthy and he is, everything's okay. And maybe they feel like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to speculate on what it could be, but if this is not one of those scenarios where no one can touch him kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. I think the lease should be all over. I think it makes a lot of sense for them. And coincidentally mm-hmm. enough, his contract lines up perfectly with Jake Muzzins. He makes 500 K less and he signed for the exact same of same amount of term as Jake Muzzin. So mm-hmm. um, losing we'll Jake see. Muzzin this year was a tough blow. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we have a top six forward, pot- potentially top six forward who could just slot in. And if, if you were to make it down to the Leafs, they'd be able to get him for free. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But again, we will see with what is going on there and probably get more news and, yeah. and such. And if we don't, not the end, whatever, yeah. whatever. But anyways, that's a good point. I almost forgot about that one. I don't know how, but anywho, is that all you got for today? That's all I had. Yeah, that was a great episode. That was a good episode. If you guys enjoyed it, don't forget, shout us, give us, give us a tweet. Give us a shout. Give us yeah. a shout on Twitter. Uh, and honestly, if you have time, drop a little review on the podcast on your favorite platforms, whether it be Spotify, Apple, or any other platform that you're listening on. It really helps us out and it lets us know that you want us to produce what more content. Us. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, and exactly. if you have, if you want us to do more stuff, tweet at us, let us know. And we can, we'll, we'll look into it. So, uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter at Rink Rat Report. Follow us on Instagram at Rink Rat Report. Follow us on TikTok at Rink Rat Report. So, yep. Love it. Love it. All right. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Go, Lisco. go.